We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Gateway Chapel message. But if I go into the Word without attempting to share with you a joke, you will think it's P. And I want you to know that it's not Pastor Eddie or P standing, it's me, Pastor Bola. So let's try. This is where you need to even laugh before I start, so you encourage me. <laughs> so there's the gentleman who himself and his wife and his mother-in-law went to Israel. They went on, um, they've been before, so they went again. Mother-in-law was at advanced in age. While they were there, I think got too much for mother-in-law and she passed away. And when mother-in-law died, the undertaker in the Holy Land came to mother-in-law and uh, came to the gentleman and said, well, what do you want to do? You could send mother-in-law's body back to England. It will cost you 5,000 pounds. But you could also bury her in the Holy Land. It will cost you 150 pounds. You would think that's a no-brainer, right? So the guy looked and said, no, I want to send her back to England. It didn't make sense to the undertaker. You didn't hear me. And the guy tried to explain again. 150 in the Holy Land, something everybody will want to do and enjoy for the rest of their lives. My family member is buried in the Holy Land. Two 5,000 pounds to take her back home. And he still insisted he wanted to pay the 5,000 pounds. And then he said, the undertaker had to ask him a question. Why? He said, because I had 2,000 years ago. Someone died and was buried. And they rose up three days later. I can't afford that with this woman. <laughs> so he did not want his mother-in-law to come back. <laughs> and he thinks if anybody dies in the only chances are that. And I wonder, thank you for attempting to laugh and thank you for laughing and thank you for those that caught up in the end. And I wonder if there are things in your life and my life that I think that's buried, but it's kind of resurrecting itself every so often and comes out again, or that's sorted and it's not really sorted and you realize it's not as sorted as you think it was. But it's been an interesting month and we have had some amazing scriptures and I've been studying the word of God based on the word that pastor gave us this month. And I know very, very surely that today as I expand on this particular lesson, the Lord will deliver you from things that are holding you back in the name of Jesus. Everything that seems to be resurrecting themselves when they are meant to be dead will die in the name of Jesus. And everything that is meant to be alive, that is dying in your hands, will stay alive in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you because your word will come to all of us today, including me, the speaker. You will use me to bless every single person that is in this assembly today. Father, thank you for power that backs every word that comes from you. Let that power be made manifest in today's sermon in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Last week, we started with the operation one step. If you don't have this card and you are in the hall, just raise your hand and an usher will slip one into your hands because at some point, we're going to talk about this or pray about it as well. So if you are in the hall and you don't have this card or you had it last week, you didn't bring it, you really, we need, we're going to pray about it today. So just raise your hand. Our beautiful, handsome, faithful officers would slip on into your hands. Thank you. Last week, we started looking at Operation One Step, how we can take one step forward. But let's go into the word first. And let's read the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 
15 to 17. We're going to read it in the New Living Translation. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I absolutely love that verse. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. I always say one thing. It is very difficult to do what you don't understand. It is very, very difficult. If I give you an instruction in French language and you don't speak or understand French, you wouldn't know what to do. But the most beautiful thing about our God is he wants you and I to know what to do and he wants us to understand what to do. And the scripture says we need to learn to understand. But how do you understand? You sit down, you study. If you don't study, you don't understand. It doesn't matter how great your memory is. If you don't study, you can't understand. So one of the things he wants us to do is in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6. It says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. One of the things God always wants you to do is to make sure you change position. He doesn't want you to stay in the same place for so, so long. The other day I was filling a form. And he said, how long have you been with your bank? I said, 20-something years. How long have you been in your home? I said, 20-something years. How long have you? One other thing they asked, I can't remember. I said, 20-something. Then I looked at myself. I said, how do you move forward now, Bola? 20-something <laughs> years. Which, if you look at my life, is not much more than, um, you know, I'm only 54 and the whole 20-something years, I've lived my life with one bank. So I decided I was going to join another bank. <laughs> and this bank, everybody, the young lady that works with me in the office, she said, PB, everybody has this bank account. Even young people and old people and their mothers. I said, get it for me. I was trying to register, so I downloaded the app, and then the thing would not let me register. I tried and tried and tried. They said, take your picture again. Take your selfie with your picture with this. After a while, I thought, you know what? Let me stick with my old bank. <laughs> Let's look at the other scripture. It was not that difficult to join my old bank. You just walk in and they do it. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says, you have been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. You have been wandering around. Many of us live a life of wandering, even in your spiritual life. And I want to address specifically our discipleship life today. One of the greatest commandments, like Pastor was reading for us last week, two things that the Lord wants from us, to be a disciple and to make disciples. Be a great disciple, make great disciples, that's all. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, that's one. And then the other one, he said, go and preach my word to everybody. Those are the two things he's expecting from you and I. And as we plan to move forward with our, our Christian life, our discipleship life, we need to be aware of the fact that there are things that we attempt to stop us. But the thing about Christian life or discipleship life is it's very difficult to know whether you are moving forward or not. You don't see it on the face. You know, in a physical life, you know if it's plus one. If your birthday is plus one today, sister, if I can tell you what, I don't. Plus one today, <laughs> I just mentioned somebody who is plus one. You know you are older by one day. You know, you are older by one year. The clock ticks, you are older by one minute. And so on and so forth. But when it comes to spiritual life, how do you really know if you are moving forward or not? How do you really know whether you are a true disciple? How do you really even know? Is it just by coming to church? I read a phrase, and I thought it was a very beautiful phrase that I read. And it talked about the fact that 
that your, the evidence of your growth, the evidence of your moving forward is shown in the physical things you do. The evidence of your spiritual life. It says, let me, let me read it properly. No one can judge your discipleship. However, your external steps are indicative of your internal status. Your external steps, they are indicative of your internal status. When it comes to discipleship, nobody can say she's 10 years old, 20 years old, she's done so well. But what do you do on the outside? And that's why I personally really, really, really love the operation One Step Thing. Because when Pastor gave us this card last week, one of them said, attend Connect Group. He said, so, he said, try and do two more things, two things more than what you used to do before. So I sat down. I was looking at it. I do quite a few of them, but I needed to do a, a couple more. So I picked the couple more that I did, and I did them, and I was able to indicate, and I was able to mark that. I did that this one, and, I, and I'm so happy, or this week, and I'm looking forward to next week again. So your external step can also help you understand what your internal status is. If you come to church, you hear it, you just walk away, don't do anything about it, that's an indication to you. Nobody can judge you, by the way, and nobody's out here to judge you. But you need to move forward because there's so much that God has in stock for you and for me. It says, um, be free from bad habits. I don't know what yours are, but maybe there's something you do and just know, you know, God needs to deliver me from this and he's not resurrecting again. For, for some of us, it's pray more. I remember I was saying to myself, what does pray more mean for me? So I decided to add something else to what, you know, my prayer life as it is. Because the more is anything more than what you do at the moment. So if you do one, and you, if you pray for five minutes every single day, to pray more, if you're going one step further forward, increase it to six minutes. It's not anybody saying make it one hour from your five minutes. That's unrealistic. That would never happen. That's the truth. But take one step forward. There are indicators that you are moving forward. Make sure you subscribe to and do them. This is, you know, I told myself it cannot be easier. This week we started a new Bible Connect group. And in the Bible Connect group, I think there were about 12 of us, something like that. And almost everybody, their first time, and they're great, and they were so excited because that was their one step forward. They were one step forward, they want to start attending Bible Connect Group. Every single person, from the one that's been only two weeks in church, to the one that has been, I think the oldest person there, oldest been oldest time in church. It was about six months. And even the six months one said, we had it in mind all along to start until this month when we said Operation One Step Forward, just said, you know what, we'll do this. And we're so happy we did. Everyone was glad. I've never met anyone that makes a choice for Jesus and does it. And at the end said, oh, I so regret that I prayed. Oh, I regret that I read my Bible. I've never seen one. If anything, you finish and you feel excited because of what God has and is doing through you. And when you want to move, move one step forward, the reality of life is that there will be things that will attempt to oppose you. So let's talk about them. Let's look at them. Let's be sure of them. Let's plan for them. When you know something is coming and you are able to plan against it, you're better. You really are better off because you're not caught on our ways. I mean, many of us know that our queen has just passed away. And from the time she turned 67, there's something they've called Operation London Bridge, which is how they're going to bury the queen. I said, this is weird. They come and meet with you every year or thereabout and have a meeting and plan about how they will bury you. That is weird. And then you didn't go anywhere. 10 years later, 20 years later, almost 25 years later, or even about 25 years later, you are still there, almost 30. But they've kept reviewing. So none of these things is a surprise. 
When you say, oh my goodness, the precision, the accuracy. No, somebody has been planning and I've been working on it. So when you are expecting something, it doesn't come as a shock to you when it comes. So one of the things that will happen to you, if you decide to move forward, and I, I really, really hope you will desire to move forward because God has so much more in stock for you as you move forward. When you decide to move forward, the devil will try and oppose you. Let's look at a gentleman in the Bible. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. I want to tell you a few things about this gentleman who decided to move forward and do things slightly differently. Just in case, when you decide to move forward, by the way, we're going to pray about the area where you choose to move forward a step in your discipleship in this, uh, this morning before the end of the service. There's a particular gentleman called Elijah. Elisha wanted to follow Elijah and do something slightly different from what everybody else was doing. Elijah was going to be taken to heaven. Elijah has been told, and everybody knew that Elijah was going. Elijah had something in him, and everybody knew Elijah had something in him. But Elisha, the gentleman, the younger man, wanted what the spiritual father had. He wanted to move forward. He wanted to step forward. He wanted to do extreme extra. He wanted to get extra. He wanted to have what they call the relationship with the prophet that gives him the blessing of the firstborn. The blessing of the firstborn is called the double portion of the blessing. In Israel, the firstborn in any family gets double of what everybody else gets. So there were sons of the prophets. There were many, many, many Christians. There were many people serving in church. But Elisha wanted to stand out. Elisha wanted to move forward. But there were things that stood in the way of his moving forward. Let's read that scripture and then let's unpack that a little bit and pray and then we'll go home. Second Kings chapter 2 from verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha and Elijah, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Okay, let's do it this way. Because it's a lot of scripture, 12 verses. And I'm not very sure you want to sit down and just hear me read 12 verses. I'll read one, you will read the other. Does that help? Good. Because the thing is this, if particularly those of you in the home, if you're sleeping because I have those mommy voice that, you know, read Bible bedtime stories and you just sleep halfway, you will have finished sleeping by the time I get to verse 12. And that will be disastrous because you can start sleepwalking and walking out and we haven't finished. So because of that, I'll read one verse, you'll read the other. Somebody's already sleepwalking, right? All right. <laughs> so I'll read verse one again and we all together will read verse two. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and you shall live, I will never leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha, and they asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. Be quiet about it. Verse 5. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and they asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to your 
Thank you. Verse 7. 50 men from the group of prophets amongst also went and they watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Verse 11 says, and as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared and drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men and separated them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. The last verse. Amen. Thank you so much for reading along. The truth is from the moment you decide to move forward, things will decide to oppose you. I used to work in a particular organization and everybody loved me. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say what's there not to love. <laughs> that didn't sound humble, but yeah, it was meant humbling. And everything was fine. And then a time came, I just thought, you know, I want to go and do my MBA. And then the opposition started from my line manager who lost me to a beat. I didn't understand where he was coming from. Because I said, okay, do you know what? I'll be coming, working extra hours so many days and because I need to take an, one afternoon off a week. So I'll work extra hours, extra hours. And then I'll attempt to come in a little bit earlier than I do and leave five minutes. Oh, no, no, no. Tell a lie. Fifteen minutes earlier. So five o'clock to leave and so on and so forth. And my line manager, who absolutely loves me to beat, and I've been my line manager for over four years at that time, didn't have a problem with me. All of a sudden, she had a problem. He had a problem. He. It was my second line manager, was he. He had a problem. And then not long after, he started saying, well, this has no bearing with your line of work. I'm an accountant by training. I was working as an accountant, and I wanted to do an MBA. And the company said, I didn't ask them to pay, by the way. My husband was happy to pay. So I didn't ask them to pay. <laughs> but it was a case of, well, there's no reason why we should give you the afternoon. I said, I'm going to work the hours. Not just that, from absolutely nowhere, all of a sudden, another um, one of the directors said, we don't have this policy here. And it's just one thing after the other. Where you think, I mean, come on, I'm here to better. And then he said, well, if you want to do a master's in finance, we will take it. I didn't say pay. But if it's MBA, we don't have room for that. It's not for you. It's for me. Oppositions arise every time you want to move forward. And unless you are aware of them, you take them lightly. You find yourself in a place where you can't move forward, but you have to regress or stay where you are. The truth of the matter was that Elisha decided he wanted to get more. He wanted to move forward in his Christian life. Many of you, for you to be in a first service, whether you're watching online, you're in-house, particularly those of you who are in-house, it takes a lot. Particularly if you have a child, oh my goodness, it takes much more than a lot. Particularly if you have yourself. Some of us, you don't have physical children anymore, but you are like, you just drag and drag and drag. But for you to make this service, that says a lot about you. There is an amount of investment that you have put into your spiritual life. And I believe it's 
because you want to move forward. If you want to move forward, things will try and stand against you. And that was exactly what happened with Elisha. The first thing there was his fear. His fear stood against him. You know, he was afraid. And it didn't help that everybody else around him was making him more and more afraid. And I don't know whether you looked at this and you wanted to do it and you were afraid. I think one of them says, give more. You say, ah, British girls have collected all the money. How am I going to give more? You know, one of them says, come to Connect Group. You said, mm, if I come, that means they will know me. If they know me, they'll tell me to talk. I hate talking in public. Fear. Um, um, then one of them says, one of them says, read your Bible consistently. Then you're already afraid in advance. If I choose to read my Bible consistently, and I read it morning, and it tells me to do something, and I don't do it, and I start feeling guilty, I'd rather not know. Remember, as a younger Christian, I was in a fellowship, and I was told that God will judge you based on what you know. So I said, God, please don't speak to me. I don't want to know. I don't want to be judged. So, I mean, let me know a little, so that I'll be judged on only a little. And that was how I was thinking at that point. I don't know what your fears are, but the moment you make up your mind to move forward in any area of life, the first thing the devil uses to hit you is fear. Will it go well? Will it go well? Will it not go well? What if, what if you don't? What if you don't? What if you don't? If you go and serve in a place, now you're anonymous and you're loving the church and everybody's loving you. If you go and serve and there is a mean head of department, you have to leave the church. You have to leave the department. If you leave the department, people will ask why you're leaving the department. If you die, then, then, then you have to leave the church. And all this supposing and what if start coming into your heart. Fear comes in. Maybe you want to take a step forward in the area of doing growth track and you think, what if I discover what my calling is? That means I have to use it. <laughs> you know, it's easier to say, I'm still trying to find my purpose. But what if you do, a, you do growth track and you get to the end of it and you find what God has called you to do and you don't do anything about it, then you start living with guilt. And you don't want that. What do you do? You don't bother doing any. Fear. Serving more than one department and you're thinking, where will I get the time? In fact, the moment you say that one, you look at your chaotic desk, your chaotic agenda, your chaotic lifestyle, and you just say, nah, no, thank you. Elisha had fear, but that fear didn't stop him. Fear will come. It's a threat. Another threat that is likely to come is familiarity. Your comfort zone. Many of us do not and never, ever want to move outside of where we feel comfortable. This, the reason is simple. It took you a while to learn how to do this on a routine basis. Now you've done this on a routine basis. You don't want to have to stop to do another because if you have to do another, that means you have to engage the brain. So engage the brain means you have to think. It takes a lot more out of you. Many of us don't want to engage our brain for anything. The reason why it was difficult for many to come back to physical church attendance after the pandemic and the lockdown was because our routine was broken. And then we have to retrain ourselves. It's harder to get into another routine. And many of us are still even struggling with it up till now. Familiarity. It's easier to sit down and get familiar. We want that. I remember during the lockdown, the church, I think at that time, we're doing three services. We're broadcasting three services because we're doing three services before we went into lockdown. And I remember saying to myself, Bola, I will attend all three. Because in physical terms, I used to attend all three. So I will sit down in the study to attend the first service. For a change of scenery, I'll sit down in the kitchen to attend the second service. For another change of scenery, I'll go into the conservatory for the third. I said, you won't find me walking at the time I'm meant to be in church. Because people were walking at that time, walking, running, doing all those things. I mean, come on. The truth is, you've listened to one sermon. What else is Pastor likely to say differently in the second one? 
If you are listening to the physical sermon, it can drop a word that is different from the first one. I, I know that and I grab that and that happens. But when it's recorded, it is recorded. What he said earlier is what he's going to say now. So why would you sit down for the second? But I told myself, I'm not going to let familiarity with a new pattern change what God wants to do in my life. Believe it or not, all through. And I sit down like, I'm not like just um, blowing my own trumpet or anything. I'm just telling you a discipline that helped me personally. I would, before the service starts, I'll pray again. I'll take my pen and paper. I kid you not, somehow, in all the three services, same thing, I will hear different things. And I'm not deluding myself. I'm telling you different instructions. When he's talking, God will tell me something to do. Something to do with this piece of information just now. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. But many, many times, the devil will tell you, you're already familiar with this. What you're doing is okay. I mean, come on. Many don't even go to church and you go to first service, you have tried. That's a threat. That's a threat to anything you plan to do here. I mean, I already give my offering. Why do I need to add tight to it? It's okay. You have tried. I remember as a young believer, my disciple used to tell me, it doesn't matter, it's a sin. I didn't understand. He said, it doesn't matter, it's a sin. <laughs> Every time he said, it doesn't matter, he said, it's a sin. So, yeah. But I, I was, you know, my disciple was hard. So when people say today that, uh, well, you know, every so often, so if you, if you hang around me, and, and, P, and P says, Sister Bola, he's trying to say that my tough personality is coming out. <laughs> He's trying to say that my SU style is coming out. So if I tell you off in a certain way and he says, Sister Bola, I just tone it down <laughs> because I realized that in UK, uh, what we considered tough was different from what was considered tough where I was coming from. My disciple will disciple you in such a way you will cry and he will tell you, if you don't cry, that means God has not touched you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know I don't have time today, but I could have told you one story. I ran to him because I was in trouble, and he told me, you see, you are a sinner. I told you, you are a sinner. Some of you will have left Jesus by then. Said, this is too much for me. <laughs> but I'm grateful, and, and you know, the beautiful thing is, I don't even do that to you. <laughs> but that was all he knew how to do. Familiarity, familiarity sends us away from what God has planned for us. It's a threat. Don't allow familiarity hold you back from developing as a disciple. Another thing there, and if you realize, the other sons of the prophet, go back and read that scripture, they were very familiar. In fact, they knew, but they wouldn't go forward. But the problem is, which is the next thing, your friends, they won't go forward, but they don't want you to go forward. Because if you go forward, you will leave them behind. And then you will make them see their inadequacies. So it's best for all of us to be in this same place and not go forward. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, P said something. And, I, 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 and it just kept ringing in my brain all through that afternoon. He said, your friends are your worst enemies. Your friends are the reasons why you have not developed as a believer. <laughs> you know what I said next to myself? I said, I'm so grateful to God I don't have friends. <laughs> but it's not that I don't have friends. I have all of you. But you know, the people you hang out with most are the people that influence you most. There were, it wasn't unbelievers that was harassing Elisha and telling him, don't try and move forward in your discipleship. Don't try and do more. Come on, are you the only one? On Wednesday night, you're going to church again. Or you want to go to Triumphant Thursday. But, but you were there last night. When are we going to chat? 
We want to talk. You said you are doing a start, start first or fresh start on Monday. We do that on Monday night. Well. So if you're discipleship class on Monday night, um, there's a, maybe, maybe your start right. It's happening from tomorrow night, for instance. They say you are Monday. All right, shall we chat Monday night? No, 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 no I'm going to start right. Okay, let's do Wednesday. Ah, no. Oh, there's um, Bible Connect group. Okay, all right, all right. Let's make it nine o'clock. Nine is fine. Oh, no, 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 no. They're taking your marketplace prayer meeting. <sighs> okay, before I go out on Friday, why don't you just catch up on Thursday night? Oh, no, I can't try. I have my Thursday. What's your friend going to say? What's your problem? So if you have a friend that will say, what's your problem? You've got a problem. You really have a problem if you have a friend that will say, what's your problem? If you have a friend that is scheduling things in the time that your church is scheduling things and they know you attend, you have a problem. If they don't know you attend, you have a problem. If you don't even know, God wants to help you. If you text me or call me during service times, oh, God wants to help you. Because after that service, I will then ask you, where were you and why? Did you even consider <laughs> sending me a message at this time? Then you read the history of the reason why you need to be in church. And then the scripture behind why you must be in church. And then we finish, you're just thinking, I just wanted to say hello to this woman. <laughs> why? Why? Well, all I'm trying to say to you is this. Be mindful of your friends. Because if you have friends that are not moving forward, you can never move forward. You can't. You can't. I know people that have come into faith they were serious about their faith and decided to become friends with people that are not serious about their faith. And I know their end now. At least the beauty of longevity, like P always says, is that you get to see things 20 years down the line. You get to see things 10 years down the line. I knew people that were flying really, really high when it comes to their faith. And they are not there at the moment because of the associations they came. These sons of the prophet, they are called sons of the prophet. They are people that have stayed with the prophet. They are people that have stayed in church. They were not called church members. They are called the sons of the ministry. They are called the sons of the pastor. They are called the special people in church. They are, the, they are, they are more than protocol officers. They are more than pastors. They are, the, they, are the, they are the ones you go and meet to be able to meet the king or the pastor. They are the real deal. They are the real deal. They were not ready to move forward, and they were harassing Elisha for choosing to move forward. Who are your friends? They are threats to you. And if you're not careful, you can fall a prey of that. As I move on, I realize a few things about this gentleman. Because every time they come to him, these threats, they bring a tool. They bring a tool. So the threats, your friends, familiarity, your fear, these are your threats. But they bring a tool. The tool, number one, distraction. Distraction. That's the greatest tool the enemy can use to stop you from moving forward. It's not that you didn't plan to move. So you stood up trying to go somewhere. I remember one analogy pastor showed. I think, it put, I think one of the ministers, they were going somewhere and things were, and, and it kept moving from side to side because of distraction. Many of us were so distracted. When it was January, all the things you planned to do in January, ask yourself this question. Why haven't you done them now? It's not because you don't have any it's not because you're not working hard. It's not because you're lazy. It's because you've been distracted. It's because you've been distracted. You left Gravesend. You said you are coming to that food. When you got to Estes, you realized there was football match. And so, well, let me watch a little bit. But while there, you just realized, you know what, let's forget about that football. Ah, there's a coffee shop next door. Let's buy coffee. Oh, there's traffic. Let's wait. And then you go to Greenland. Oh, there's new development here. Let's go and see what's going on here. And sometimes this is not because you choose to. It's because people tell you, do you know what? There's new development. Let us go to. 
Oh, and then you are going further forward. Let us go to. And let us go to, let us go to distract you from the things that you originally planned for your life. And then come December, you see, there is no joint association when it comes to looking at the balance sheet of your life. It's not a joint thing. It's not even joint with your husband. It's singular. At the end of the year, ask yourself the question, have I been on the path of discipleship? Have I been growing? Have I been doing the things I desire to do in January? Why not, if not? Why not? So the threats that are come your way, they bring tools. They bring a tool of distraction. They really, really wanted Elisha not to move forward. It's amazing. It wasn't only the sons of the prophet. Even the prophet stopped Elisha. Even the prophet stopped Elisha. Remember, I was in a particular place. I'm not going to say too much about this. And I was in this place, and I remember it was such an interesting nightmare. Because the person that's meant to be the head of the organization had assumptions that were wrong, totally wrong about me. And I remember saying to my husband, I said, you know what, I, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. If you look, I'm very, I don't like stress, strain, tension, all those, I just, I can't function in environments like that. I'm a very peaceful person. So I really enjoy peace. So any, I, I didn't grow up in an atmosphere of tension, so I don't do tension well. So when somebody is acting funny, it's just... It just makes me so uncomfortable. And I remember saying, I don't want to be in this environment. And he kept saying, but God has not said. God has not said. Thank God for faithful husbands who hears God. God has not said. God has not said. Ladies and gentlemen, we stayed there because God has not said, not because I felt comfortable. Subsequently, I realized what the devil was trying to do to unseat me. Many, many of us, there are many things the devil is trying to do to unseat you. So it creates distractions. It creates things that makes you so uncomfortable. It doesn't create only distractions. It also creates discouragement along the way. Well, they say, give, give, give. I've been giving and nothing has happened. They say, pray more. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing has happened on this issue. Discouragement comes. Discouragement comes. This guy was going to be seriously discouraged. He was going to be stopped from moving forward. There were obstacles upon obstacles. And there were discouragements. In your plan for your growth as a disciple, there will be discouragement. I remember when my kids were younger, I used to say to them, I say, read a proverb a day. And I insisted. It's something I do personally. It's something I insisted they did. So until it becomes a habit. Proverbs is only 31 chapters. Every single month you can finish the book of Proverbs. I didn't say finish the Bible. I said Proverbs. So I remember my son, particular, I think it was, when I started that practice, he was just going into year eight or year seven, year seven. And I remember I said, look, I get really discouraged by this because by day seven now, if you, if you knew him, knew, stroke, no, <laughs> you know that he's not the most organized person. I don't know what's happening right now these days. So it's, I mean, adults are adults. <laughs> he's not the most organized person. So he would have planned to, because he has his own, Structure when it comes to the Bible study. That reading of that proverb is an additional task for him. And with additional tasks, he just needs to reorganize so many things in his head from the age of whatever. We've been going to with the same thing. So he would have forgotten by day eight. He will remember that he has not read Proverbs since day two. <laughs> so that now means he's going to have to read three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> and then he just gets discouraged. So I remember saying to him, and I called both of them, I said, let's do it this way. If you miss it yesterday, don't, 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 don't worry. Don't, don't sweat it. Forget yesterday. Focus on today. So today is 18th. You forgot to read 17th. It's fine. You will meet 17th again next month. Let's do 18th today. 
And that's how we overcame discouragement. For many of us, it's the case of you want to. It's not that you don't want to. But after a while, it gets overwhelming. And then you feel like you've dropped the ball. And you think, oh, I'm disappointing everybody. I'm disappointing myself, disappointing God, disappointing the church. Nah, I pull back. Don't do that. Because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to discourage you. He wants to make sure that you do not press ahead with what God has planned for you. Never, never allow yourself to fall into the trap of the devil. The tool of discouragement is one tool that it will stretch your way so much that particularly when it comes to your discipleship. And the thing is this, because it's not your nine to five, because no one is going to assess you at the end of the year, because nobody's going to give you promotion or increase, because you're not going to do any physical exam on it, what do we do? We drop it. Whoever faces and goes to do what makes them sad, nobody does that. Whoever likes staying in a place where they feel discouraged, nobody does that. So you go to a place where you'll be encouraged. And then you move from there to defeat. So it starts with distraction. Then it goes into discouragement. Then it's defeat. This Christianity thing is not for me. This tithing thing, man, I did it in January. I forgot in February. By March, the bills were high because I had to pay back what I used to buy the Valentine's gift. Um, and then April is coming. Everybody in my family's birthday is in April. So obviously that means, I mean, not in my family, but some people's families. Some of us are like that, where the, the, the way God just did your birthdays in your family, in some months you need to work double hours. <laughs> and because of that, your responsibility as a believer starts dropping. Be it your service to your giving to your time with God and all these other things. If they start dropping, it starts with that distraction. Then it goes into discouragement. Then it goes into defeat. I can't do this thing. I can't do this thing. I want to let you know something that you can do all that God desires for you to do. What are the things that I would suggest for you to do? What would be the treatment that I saw in the life of Elisha? The very, very first one was followership. If you're going to overcome obstacles or opposition to your moving forward, it starts with followership. If you look at verses 2, verses 4, verses 6, Elisha kept following. It is very, very difficult to walk a path alone without having somebody you are following. You see, Christianity is about followership. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You follow someone. If you don't follow God, if you don't follow, you will miss the path. You will get discouraged. You will get disgruntled. You will get defeated. It's normal. You're not the first person that is going through what you've gone through. You know one of the things followership does for you? It gets your mentor to tell you, it's okay. I went through it. It's fine. I went through that. It's okay. Every stage of life, when my children were growing up, every stage of life, I went to meet somebody that I know I've raised successful preteen years. I went to meet somebody. Teenage years, I went to meet somebody. When my kids were getting closer to the mid-teens, there was a particular lady I knew. Our kids were grown up in my workplace, Caucasian. Our kids were grown up serving the Lord, faithful, went to do their careers. They're just, they're hot for Jesus. That's what I desired. I asked her, what should I do? What should, from the time that they were teenagers, I was asking her this question. What should I do? What should I not do? What should I do? What should I not do? What should I look out for? I couldn't say, oh, well, I know what to do. I mean, come on. Uh, well, they, I would tell them to do, and they would do what I want them to do because I know what my father told me to do, and my mother, and I turned out right. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. True, my father and father did a good job and I turned out right, but that's not good enough. But you know why? Because I was not particularly raised in this environment and I was not raised in this season, this age, this time. But they are going through things that I never went through. So how do I know how to deal with it? Followership. This lone planet thing you're doing, 
It won't help you. It won't help you. If you really genuinely want to continue to grow and be able to fight all sorts of opposition, it's in followership. Followership is what makes your mentor look back and say, where are you? You have not followed me. Where are you? You're not in house group. You know it is possible to drop off the planet if nobody asks after you. Somebody told me once, I think it was Minister K that actually mentioned, he was going to a church. He didn't appear week one or week two. He didn't go there the week three of. After, nobody, nobody asked after him. I thought, oh, how? He said he just didn't bother going anymore. He just said, what's the point? Nobody asked after me after all. I said, Mr. K, if you had one bright colored shirt, they would have remembered you. I mean, they said, that lady that wore green, you can't forget her. Or that lady that is wearing red. No, yeah. I heard yesterday one of the statements that the queen said, if I wore beige, you won't know me. <laughs> I don't know that she wore bold colors. So if I wore beige, I would just disappear. You won't know it's me. But it's not about that. It's about followership. It's about followership. In a church this size, are you really in a connect group? If you're not around, does anybody know that you're not around? It's about followership. If you will ever go up and take a step up, it's about followership. Don't let anyone deceive you. This gentleman followed and followed and followed despite all oppositions and got to the end. Not just followership only. Focus. Focus matters. I can talk about focus till thy kingdom come. I don't have enough time to expand on it. The different stages it went to that I had to focus. I will expand more in second service. And that's the truth of the matter. If you don't learn to focus, you can never get the best out of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be many things to distract you in life. They are there to distract you, to stop you from your path. But would you allow them? We, took, we, cho we chose this as physical steps that can help you when it comes to identifying your next step and your next step and your next step. Would you attend connect groups? Would you start attending? Because if you do, you can tick that off and say, well, this is me now. By June, by August, I was not. By September, rather, I was not. By December, I am now. Would you be free from your bad habits? You are the one that knows what a bad habit is. There are some of us, there are some things that just keep holding us back. The habit just keeps hooking you, keep holding you back. If you are not genuinely following, you can never submit yourself to anybody. If you don't submit yourself to anybody, that means that there is nobody that you're accountable to. You know, the worst thing that can ever happen to someone in life is lack of accountability. And we genuinely think it's the best way to live. We think it's freedom. We actually think it's freedom. But it's a very expensive thing called freedom. Freedom is an extremely expensive product. Because you will truncate your life and make so many mistakes, you will look back 10 years' time, 20 years' time and regret because of lack of accountability. Everywhere I find myself, and I say the same thing to my kids, make yourself accountable to just one person is enough. You don't need to make yourself accountable to the world, but one person. If you're genuine with yourself, if you really want to move forward in your life, be accountable to one person. And please make sure that it's somebody that is caring. Not your friend that will not tell you when you're going down the wrong path. Because anyone that wipes their hands over your ill behavior, they don't like you. They don't like you. They don't like you. The Bible says that either the father loves, he chastises. I hope this message is not too hard for you. But the truth is, God wants more for you. There was no reason why any of the 50 sons of the prophet didn't get what Elijah, Elijah had. They could all have got it. Why is the only one man that got it? Elijah wasn't special. Elisha wasn't special. Elisha just made a different choice from what everybody else did. Elisha chose to do something. Elisha chose to follow. Elisha chose to focus. Elisha chose to forsake. Would you now? 
there is nothing that you want to benefit from that will not require a level of discipline from you. It's not possible. There's nothing. Ask yourself, if you're being paid a penny extra in your career, you have paid for it in your study time. You have paid for it in your developing yourself time. There is nothing. There is nothing in life that is worth talking about that doesn't require some form of forsaking from you. you got to leave some things. You can't carry everything along. You carry housewives of... Um, House something, housewives of Hollywood or something, housewives of Chelsea or whatever they call it. You carry that along with Big Brothers of um, UK. You carry that along with um, what's the other one? Love Island. What's the other one you watch again? You, which of the one? You know, I know, I know these things because I, I've been there slightly different, different times. When my children were in school and I was at home, and told my when I was trying to get back into my career, my little girl was little. And my, my son was in school. And I remember, I remember I used to watch soap opera like my hair was on fire. It's like, it, like it was going to go out of fashion. Like you like, you have to consume it. And the funny thing about consuming negative things is that it's never enough. You just want more and more and more and more. So I watched and then there was this channel. I can't remember what channel then. It was one after the other from about, after they do all the talk shows and abuse each other. I don't watch that one. <laughs> That's still 11 o'clock. So from 11 to 12, from 12 to 1. So one day I told myself, enough is enough. I've had enough of this. You can't keep controlling me. I didn't tell the husband, by the way. He's not around at that time of the day. Why would you know what I'm doing? So I just said, okay, I'll quickly put the daughter to bed so I can sit down and watch this soap opera. In those days, there wasn't rewind TV, all these things we have now on demand. So, so I do that. And then I told myself, enough is enough. I've had enough. I, I'll be praying from 12 to 12.30. Now, when I said that, it was the beginning of a new year, and they just changed the time. Changed the time. I thought they would be finishing everything by 12. So I said, I'll be praying 12 to 12.30. And the beginning of the new year, guess what they did? Changed the time of one of the soap operas, and they now finished at 1. Guess what I did? Moved my time with God to 1. <laughs> it is sad, but it was true. I needed to forsake at some point, I just said, but Lali, you're deceiving yourself. I wasn't deceiving anybody. I was deceiving myself. I want to encourage you to decide to take one step forward and choose to follow, choose to focus, and choose to forsake. It will cost you, but the benefits are beyond imagination. I love the scripture. Uh, the, the, there's a last scripture I want us to read. It's in the book of Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 to 26. In the meantime, I want you to look through this, particularly if you haven't done it before. What's your own? Attend Connect Group more. Do growth track. Read the Bible consistently. Do water baptism. Disciple one person. Share my Jesus story. Become a Connect Group leader. Attend Triumphant Thursday. Give more. Serve in one more department. Pray more. Be free of bad habits. Um, I don't know what yours is, but I know the two I picked that I started working on. But let's read this scripture as we rise up, and we're going to pray over your card and over your decision. Take, take time to tick, tick your two or one or, or, or many, no matter how many. Tick them, tick it, or tick it, tick them, and rise to your feet, please. Exodus 23, let's have that scripture of, from verse 25. It says, so you shall serve the Lord your God. And it will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sicknesses away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriages or infertility in your land. 
and I will give you long, full lives. There are benefits to service. There's benefit to discipleship. There's benefit to these things that you want to do. Lift it to heaven and pray for yourself and ask the Lord for help. Ask the Lord for help. Grace for you to focus. Ask the Lord for help. Grace for you to be able to forsake. Ask the Lord for help. Not to be discouraged. Not to be distracted. Not to be defeated. Ask the Lord. Now, in this area, maybe it's triumphant towards the Lord. Give me grace. I will not forget again. It will set alarm. You will do what you need to do physically. Hold yourself accountable to somebody in followership or whatever it is. Choose to. Pray for yourself. Whether it's in your giving. Lord, this is giving today and not giving tomorrow. Is enough is enough. I need to move forward. Lord, help me. Pray for yourself. Hold the card and say, Lord, I receive grace. I receive grace. So shall it be for you. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Hallelujah. Amen. Please take your seat. It's offering time. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.